Welcome to worship at Hollywood United Methodist Church. We are glad that you have joined us in person and online this morning. Please stand as you are able for our opening hymns.
we have any children or youth that want to come up and join us on the steps before we head out to Children's Church and to youth group, you're welcome to come on up. Come on down. Good to see you. A couple shy ones out there. I have a volunteer right here next to me. Oh, good. We do. Yep. That's perfect. That is great. Uh, uh, welcome, welcome. Hi, everybody. Oh, my gosh. Miss April, I was almost late to church. I was praying so much on the way here that I would get here on time. I'm just glad I made it. Yeah, there's a lot of times that we pray, maybe when we're nervous or sad or scared or we want something a lot. A lot. Do, when do you all pray? Like, when is it that you think to pray? Yes. I pray when something bad happens to, like, a family member. Let's say, like, they get in a car accident. I pray for them. That is excellent. Yeah. That's right. So when something bad happens, we worry about that, and we, yeah. we send up a prayer. What else? When we sleep, we pray for no nightmares. No nightmares. No nightmares. That's a great Emily, time. do we pray every time before you sleep? Yeah. Sometimes we pray before we have some food. Yeah. Right? But how do we know when to pray, and how do we know what prayer is for? Yeah, that's a really good question. Are there other times maybe we don't pray that we should? Mm, good question. I think mm. there's probably a lot of times. Yesterday, I went on a hike, and I was looking at all of the beauty of the trees and the there was this like brook that went through and it took me a little while before I was like, oh, hey, wait, God, thank you for this. This is amazing. It, and it took me probably about 20 minutes and I was kind of embarrassed that it took me so long to remember God in that in that moment. Yeah. Or, or after leaving church on Easter Sunday and seeing so many amazing uh, people and families and young people at the church, mm -hmm. I just said a quick thank you. I said, thank you, God, for all of the blessings that we have here for uh, with us today. Well, we're really lucky because actually Jesus taught us how to pray. And so we're going to start talking about that today in Honestly. Children's Church. We're going to look at the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray and see what do we learn about why should we even pray and what is that about? Does that sound good? Okay. Yeah. Shall we pray? All right. Let us pray. Okay. Dearest Lord, thank you so much for this beautiful day, for all of the wonderful people that you have put in our community with us, for all of the blessings, and as we think about Easter, all of the sacrifices you made so that we may have eternal life. Help us to keep these blessings with us and to take those moments to say thank you, God, for all that you've given us. And all God's children said... Amen. Amen. As the children head off to Children's Church and the youth to youth group, I invite you all to stand, pass the peace of Christ to one another. And just as a note, we're going to be in the nursery today. So when you come to pick up your young people, we have a second floor in the nursery, and that's where we'll be. peace of the Lord be with you. We're so glad you're here now and I invite you to take your seat, to take a deep breath and to prepare to enter into this special time of prayer, which will begin with a wonderful offering from our choir.
Let us pray. Resurrected Christ, we are your Easter people and we gather today to praise and worship you. Thank you for your steadfast love, for your presence in our lives, and the invitation that you have extended to join you in eternal life. You have delivered us from darkness and we are grateful. We pray that you will guide us as we move toward a life of resurrected hope. Grant us your peace as we navigate the challenges of the world. Pour your Holy Spirit over us so that we might always feel the conviction of our faith and be ready to share the good news of God's grace and acceptance when the image of Jesus and his teachings is distorted. Help us to spread love and hope and challenge deceit and decay. Make us bold in our assurance that all are loved and that we in turn are vessels of your love. There are so many prayers that linger on our hearts and we pray that you will receive them now as we offer them to you silently. Creator God, we know that through you all things are possible. Bring healing to all those who hurt, mourn, hunger, and no loss. Heal the sick and bring mercy to the afflicted. Take our burdens from us so that we might begin the path to healing and to new life. We pray this morning with gratitude for the continued healing of our brother Richard Suttle and our sister Ruth and others who are recovering. And we lift up those we love, including the, Dan and his family in their time of mourning and loss, and Rance and his close friends on the loss of a child. We pray for all who are suffering in this moment and in need of your strength. You are our strength, our rock, our solace, and we are so grateful that you never leave us, that you walk with us always, and that you cherish us. You have made all that is good in our lives possible, and now we offer to you the words that your son shared with us when he taught us how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power forever and ever. Amen. Good morning again. We have so many wonderful things coming up in the life of the church, and I just want to share a few of them with you. First of all, happy Easter. It's still Easter. We're so glad you're here. Next week, May 1st, after church, we're going to invite you to meet the choir and to learn more about the incredible music department that we have here at Hollywood United Methodist Church. There are so many opportunities for you to be involved, and we would love for you to stop by and learn more about them. And there's going to be cake, so I will definitely be there, and I hope that you will come too. On May 8th, for Mother's Day, we're going to have a pancake breakfast 
This was an annual tradition of our dearly beloved Pat, and we want to continue to do this. And so we will be offering that at 9.30 on May 8th in the morning. Come and join us. Have pancakes, enjoy fellowship, and let's celebrate the mothers in our lives who have helped make us who we are. On May 9th, we are going to be having our first Pride Day planning meeting. If you would like to participate in that or learn more, please email Pastor Kathy. She has all the details. We're super excited because Pride is actually returning to where it started here in the heart of Hollywood. It is going to, the march is going to originate just a few blocks from our church, and we want to be there strong and ready to celebrate. And on May 22nd, we are going to be doing direct service right here in our community. Our church is going to be participating in Food on Foot. It's a wonderful program where folks come and gather at the LGBTQ Center parking lot. And we provide them with food, resources, water, whatever they might need that's available there. Our church is taking a group, but you have to pre-register and we do need volunteers. So I'm asking that you please email me your interest and I'm going to sign us up as a group. Our congregation is going to make the donation that goes with our volunteer experience. So please, please sign up. Young people are welcome as long as they're accompanied by an adult. And starting next week in May, we're also going to collect clean, white, new socks in the narthex that we will take with us on that day, the 22nd. But we really want to be of direct service. We had an incredible month last month where we gathered signatures to help build new housing and to protect low-wage workers in our city. We got more than 50 on each petition, which is really awesome. And now we want to go into direct service, putting our hands and feet into prayer in the world. So I hope that you will join us. And those are our announcements today. Oh, actually, I forgot. <laughs> All that we do, everything that we do here in the name of God, the justice that we seek, the love that we share is made possible not only through his grace and blessing, but through the offerings that you provide for the congregation and the church to do God's work in the world. So I invite you to give as generously as you are able to the ministries of this church so that we can continue to be a wonderful, proud, and excited advocate for God's justice and love for all people. Thank you. Oh, 
reading from the book of Matthew. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they can be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. A word of God that is still speaking. Thanks be to God. This morning, we begin our Eastertide sermon series entitled, Why Pray? The 19th century Danish theologian Soren Kierkegaard wrote that the function of prayer is not to influence God, but rather to change the nature of the one who prays. When we place ourselves before God in prayer, we're changed. Our hearts are opened. We no longer think of ourselves as self-sufficient. Instead, we open ourselves to God's presence and power and form a relationship with God through prayer. So over the next six weeks, we're going to be looking at not just why, but also how to pray using the elements of the Lord's Prayer. As a basis for this series, I'm using a new book by Reverend Adam Hamilton, the pastor of the Church of the Resurrection in Kansas City, entitled The Lord's Prayer, The Meaning and Power of the Prayer that Jesus Taught. I encourage you to read the book and to join our online discussion group uh, via Zoom on Wednesdays at 6. We had our lively discussion this past uh, Wednesday, and I think we will again this week. So now let me ask you, and I'm not asking for a show of hands, I know better, but how often do we pray? Looking at what Mr. Kevin asked the kids. How often do we pray? Do we pray several times a day? Do we pray daily? A few times a week, when Pastor Bridie tells us to on Sundays during the prayer? Do we find ourselves praying mostly when we're going through difficult times and somehow not remembering to thank God so much when things are going well for us? The Pew Research Center came out with a survey last week indicating that the frequency of prayer among Americans has declined in recent years. Fewer than half of US adults 45% say they pray on a daily basis. Roughly one-third of U.S. adults now say they seldom or never pray, up from, and that was 32%, up from 18% who said that in 2007. Now, in spite of statistics, we who are the Easter people, we who follow the risen Christ, 
we know that we need to practice the presence of God daily. As Martin Luther King Jr. once said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Throughout his ministry, Jesus encourages his followers to pray and spent time teaching them how and teaching about the nature of God in various ways. For example, we know that Jesus used parables to explain God's love and the values of the kingdom. We also know that Jesus responded often to the Pharisees, the religious authorities, with a form of the Socratic method of answering their questions with more questions. Further, Jesus used hyperbole to drive his points home, such as he did with the story at the beginning of our passage this morning. But there are also times that Jesus was very direct with the disciples and with us about important values such as prayer. For example, he instructs his disciples at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. In John's Gospel, Jesus told the disciples right before his crucifixion, if you remain in me and I remain in you, Ask for whatever you want, and it will be given to you. In today's passage, in the midpoint of the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus teaches us what we now call the Lord's Prayer. It's also found in the Gospel of Luke, but we're focusing on Matthew's version today. It's a roadmap, an outline for how we are to pray. It takes the emphasis off of us and puts it onto God, and building God's community on earth. That said, how many of us find ourselves too often simply saying it by rote without thinking of the power of its words? You know, we know what it says. We all can say it by heart. But we don't always think about the power and the meaning behind the words. So we're going to be talking about specific phrases of the prayer in the next few weeks. This morning, we're focusing on our Father who art in heaven. First, you'll notice that Jesus says, our Father, not my Father or mine. By saying our, we acknowledge that we all belong to God. It doesn't matter if we're Catholic or Protestant, conservative or progressive, gay or straight or trans, the word our means that God's love has overcome any division or polarization that we humans have created in our lives together. We might pray personally on our own as we should every day, but the Lord's Prayer, it's a corporate prayer that binds us all together with the God that loves us unconditionally just as we are. The next term is father. Now likely Jesus used the, term, the Aramaic term Abba, which was a familiar term for father, such as we would call our fathers perhaps dad or daddy. Jesus was trying to instruct the crowds that, G, that God was near to them, hence the familial term. I, I, I guess that many of us likely grew up saying our father. I grew up in a time where masculine pronouns were used exclusively for everything. Thank God we've progressed past that. Amen? But personally, because of that upbringing, knowing that the term father would apply, I don't see a gender. I know that, let me start all that right again. 
I have a comfort level in using the term father because it's what I was brought up in. But I also know that God transcends gender. I also recognize that my experience is not necessarily normative. And it's important that we all address God, that we not address God in exclusively male terms. And we have to teach our children the same. That's why sometimes you'll hear Pastor Bridie saying our mother or our creator or other phrases that contain the essence of who God is, a loving parent that wants only for us to respond to God with love. Dr. Leslie Weatherhead, who for years pastored the City Temple in London, shares the story of a theologian friend of his and how he first experienced the love of God and the assurance that this gave him. His friend as a youngster had disobeyed and was sent to his room to await punishment by his father. The boy heard a key in the door and all he could think about was, I have waited for this moment and I'm scared. He knew he couldn't postpone his punishment any longer, so he ran down the stairs from his room only to reach the bottom and there to find his, himself directly in the path of his father. Their eyes met. His dad rushed over to pick him up and he hugged him tightly and he said, my dear son. Dr. Weatherhead said his friend had never forgotten that scene. And when that young man grew up and became an adult, he couldn't share that story without tears flooding his eyes. He said, I could never forget the assurance of belonging to my father. Well, this is the essence of what Jesus is communicating to us in the Lord's Prayer. We belong to God, and God has a name. Hamilton notes that when Pope Francis wrote in his book on the Lord's Prayer that when we address God as our Father, we're invited to remember that regardless of whether our human fathers loved us deeply or abandoned us entirely, whether our fathers died or were simply absentee, that we are not orphans. In fact, there are no orphans, for we all have a father, a mother, a parent who cares for us deeply. Our Father, who art in heaven. We're going to talk more about heaven next week when we get to thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer doesn't refer to God's location, but Matthew loves to talk about heaven. He mentions it 82 times in his gospel, more than the three other gospels combined. But for our purposes today, Matthew was referring to God as being in heaven distinct from earth, but yet the heavens envelop the earth. Hamilton notes that heaven isn't always up there or out there in scripture. All that is around us, though we can't see it, that's heaven. God is as near to us as the air that we breathe. So again, more on that next week. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. To hallow is to set apart, to make holy. Well, the opposite of hallowing God's name then is to take God's name in vain or to profane God's name. We know that God is holy 
We know that we belong to God, but too often we can fall short in reflecting God's holiness in our lives. Hamilton has written that too often humans profane God's name. Think of the immense pain that has been caused by the actions of sex abuse by too many clergy over the years. Their abuse of children has profaned God's name. But you know, to profane God's name, it doesn't need to take such an extreme form. When we fail to be kind to others, when we act ugly, as my mother would have said, when we engage in gossip that is hurtful, when we ignore the needs of others, even though we're in a position to help, these are smaller but no less egregious ways of profaning God's name. Now we might ask the question, it's God. Isn't God's name holy by definition? Does God really need us to say that God's name is hallowed? The answer is yes and yes. God needs us to say that God's name is hallowed through how we live our lives as followers of the Christ. Our actions, you see, will either inspire others because they see how we hallow God's name through them, or our actions will deter others from following Christ because they profane God's name. As we pray, hallowed be thy name, we are really saying, God, use me. Use me so others can see what your holiness, what your goodness looks like. We saw an example of how God's name was hallowed this week in a speech given by Michigan State Senator Mallory McMorrow. Now, there was a lot of this speech that was political in nature, and that is not what I'm referencing, although listen to the whole thing if you haven't heard it already, uh, because it's, it really is a very cohesive um, statement that she made. But she was speaking out against the actions of a colleague to smear her because she had spoken out against this colleague's attack on the LGBTQ community. So here are the faith-based elements of her, what I call her sermon, in the Michigan State Senate this week. She said, growing up, my family was active in our church. I sang in the choir, my mom taught CCD. One day, our priest called a meeting with my mom and told her that she was not living up to the church's expectations because she was divorced and because he didn't see her at mass every Sunday. Where was my mom on Sunday? She was at a soup kitchen with me. My mom taught me at a young age that Christianity and faith is about being part of a community, about recognizing our privilege and blessings and doing what we can to be of service to others, especially people who are marginalized, targeted, who had less, often unfairly. So who am I? I am a straight, white, Christian, married, suburban mom who knows that the very notion that learning about slavery or redlining or systemic racism means that children are being taught to feel bad or hate themselves because they're white is absolute nonsense. No child alive today is responsible for slavery. No one in this room is responsible for slavery, but each and every one of us bears responsibility for writing the next chapter of history. I want my daughter to know that she is loved, supported, and seen for whoever 
she becomes, her daughter's one-year-old. I want her to be curious, empathetic, and kind. I want every child to feel seen, heard, and supported, not marginalized, not targeted, if they are not straight, white, and Christian. And she closes by saying, I know that hate will only win if people like me, like us, stand by and let it happen. And I want to be very clear right now. Call me whatever you want. I know who I am. I know what faith and service mean and what it calls for in this moment. We will not let hate win. And to that I say amen. You see, in that statement, Senator McMurrow hallowed God's name in the most secular of places, intentionally secular and appropriately so, but in the public square. So I pray, family, that we can find ways and places, perhaps unexpected, that we also might hallow God's name and spend time in prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Amen. before I do the benediction. Uh, there is coffee and cookies uh, outside, so please uh, join us for a moment. You can take off your mask outside, uh, and we'd love to, to greet you. If you didn't get any sunflower seeds last week, we still have plenty, so please take some and plant them and uh, pray for the people of Ukraine, especially on this Orthodox Easter Day. 
We also want to lift up the Armenian community, especially here in Glendale and in East Hollywood, for today is the Armenian Day of Remembrance of the Genocide that was committed so tragically so many years ago. But we simply lift up our community in prayer. And I'll go forward knowing that prayer is powerful, that prayer changes us. Go forth hallowing God's name this day and always. Go now in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen.